Dale. We're doing football for the next hour. I'm your host, Will Bazer. I'm joined alongside by Tim Preston and Johnny Brashear, as always. Texas just played Tennessee and Texas Tech. Two really big games for the program as they brought Rick Barnes back home and brought Chris Beard back to Lubbock. Both were fun in their own rights. But we'll talk to you guys about the highs and lows of the past week and then get into the next week coming up against Iowa State and Kansas. Texas trying to split the series with Iowa State and maybe steal one from Kansas. We'll see. Gentlemen, how are we doing? How, what did we What did we think of this past week? Well, I was. If you Calm down, yeah. <laughs> Tim, yeah. let's let's not let's start let's not start this hot. This okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah, if you had told me before the the two games, if you said a week ago uh, that that Texas was going to split those games, I'd have said yeah. Uh, was how they split it. Was how they split them in maybe the the most exciting or the most uh, um, emboldening or or confidence building? No, not necessarily. But uh, they they took care of whatever business I guess they had to. They got themselves a Q1 win against Tennessee, and they went to a rather hostile environment at Texas Tech. I mean, at least moderately hostile, and uh, and uh, did not take care of business. Yeah, so I mean, they could have done better. Uh, yeah, it, it was. I mean, I, without wanting to get I think the thing with Beard just in general like as long as he's our coach which i would assume will be for quite a while um you just shouldn't get too high or too low right because that's just sort of the way that things are going to go with him he's going to beat a lot of teams that he should beat i don't know how often he's going to beat the teams that he shouldn't i mean once in a while he'll have maybe a great year here or there the rest of the time you just got to kind of roll with it and uh hope that you take best care business at home which we did against tennessee and the tough games on the road are what they are so um yeah I don't know. <laughs> At this point in the season, I just don't feel like it's 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 too easy to get crazy up or down about it. Yeah, this is kind of you know ended up how I thought it would is they took one from Tennessee and then they lost to Texas Tech, which is why I don't think many people, many Longhorn fans, were too high or low on this past week. I I am going to be the ray of sunshine here and say that they outperformed my expectations in that I didn't think they were going to win either game. I mean, I thought the Tennessee Texas game was going to be close, man. And if, but if sort of push comes to shove, I, I thought Texas wasn't going to win that. Um, but they did so by the skin of their teeth. And then, uh, you know, um, I, I, I don't know if it's just uh, going to be a thing in this podcast every year, except for maybe last year, where by about February, we're like, look, we know what this team is. You know, I mean, just sort of, you know, we're like, I mean, you know, we know the ceiling, we know the floor. It's just, it's, it's what it is. And it's just going to be what it's going to be. And just, I, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, yep. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, just, uh, you know, we'll see you all next uh, year. Yeah. Please join the Patreon for more insight where we just sort of look Throw at our, our spreadsheets and say, yeah, yeah it is what it is. Yeah, I just look at a spreadsheet, just kind of sigh. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, you get five dollars for that. Um, yeah. So, go ahead, Tim. What's up? Oh no, I no, I guess you know the one of the bigger things for me with the as far as well without I, okay, we'll get into the we'll get into the games in a minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, let's just, do it right now. I mean, let's get into Tennessee to start off here because I mean that was probably I mean that. Honestly, they should have beat Tennessee by more, right? Like, again, they get off to a 13 to 2, you know, run and just absolutely blow it in the second half. It was in the second half this time instead of the first. But my lord, if you hold a team, if you go on a 13 to 2 run, you should not. I mean, God, what was it? A 10 point or 10 minute just. It was a no point to three run. If you, if you start at the, the last, the last portion of the first half into, yeah, it was, it was a 20 to three run. That yeah. They, they, they scored three points in the last eight minutes. One point, in the last five. It's ridiculous. This, this offense, just all this is, you know, it's clicking, clicking, clicking. And then all of a sudden it just dies. It just dies. I mean, 
I don't know that, well, Tennessee's offense clicked in the last half of the second half. But other than that, I don't know that I would say either offense really clicked so much as uh, some dudes hit some tough shots. Like there, there was, I, I watched that game and it was very apparent to me that both teams knew exactly what the other team would do for large portions of the game. Like they, they knew, okay, we got to, we got to deal with Marcus Carr this way. Okay. We got to deal with, you know, Chandler, uh, it was Kennedy Chandler, right? Um, yeah. Kennedy they are Chandler, who we thought they are. Or Santiago Vescovi. Like we know exactly what we're doing with him, right? Like it was, it was down to the, down to the millimeter. Everybody was scouted, um, which is sort of a testament to both Barnes and Beard staff is that they, they knew what they were coming into, right? Like they didn't, neither of them uh, had really any surprises. So, you know, it was, it was a very boring first half in that it was just, I mean, it was, it was impressive defensively, but like, at just at a certain point, you're like, somebody hit a goddamn shot already, please. Um, I mean, my God, Tennessee was missing bunny shots. You know what it's like to have two teams that have exchanged 10-0 runs in a game where the total score is a hundred and what hundred and three points? Like that that's that's really rare for them to be like, okay, you're gonna go on a 10-0 run, and I'm gonna go on a 10-0 run, and we're gonna we're gonna score like what 93 points each. Nope, nope, we're just gonna just gonna hang out with the ball for a while and uh object to the general concept of scoring. That's that's what we're gonna do. So it seems like that's sort of Chris Beard's MO, right? Is they well, can't I, we can't they can't score if we are uber efficient on offense. And being uber efficient on offense doesn't quite mean scoring points. <laughs> it just means that I mean, what does it mean? So Okay, and not you know, not to filibuster Tim here, but there is. We got a snootful of one, why we went away from Barnes in the first place, and two, why Beard is so much like Barnes in a lot of aspects. Like both of them are very defensive-minded coaches. Both of them are almost always very sound defensively, and both of them, most years, are going to kind of struggle to score. And the two of them together was just like the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme, where they're, except neither of them were allowing the other one to point because they're so good defensively. It was just... It was, it was a struggle. And it wasn't until Rick Barnes put in a five-foot-two guy to, to run the point that things really broke open. Tim thoughts. Yeah. You're allowed well, to speak. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I, I don't know that I'm going to speak as eloquently about the whole thing. I thought that our big men were bad. I thought Timmy Allen, I mean, we had turnovers on what, like 32% of our possessions. That's bad. <laughs> like say what you want about efficiency, but you know, and we, and when we weren't turning the ball over, I guess we scored. Okay. Uh, you know, but I mean, not great by any stretch, but you know, I, whether it was against Tennessee in that game or whether it was at tech, I, I don't think our big men are capable. I just don't think that we're good enough. I don't think we're athletic enough, explosive enough. I don't think we have, I just, I don't think we have that, that ability to control the glass when we need to for stretches. And, you know, you say to me that, Hey, we were, we're up like, what was it? 49, 32 or 49. Something I remember for sure what it was, but it was a, the Texas had pulled it out to something like 15 or 17 points with, with whatever it was, it was. 51 36 at one point yeah yeah you know and just but even with that standpoint it just felt like when when tennessee had to have something they kind of got it and when we had to have something we just we didn't really and, and I, you know if courtney doesn't shoot the lights out at least from three that game looks very different um you know and it just it feels like now I, you know i was i was I'm not sure how much I should say this particularly, but when, uh, you know, when talking with Jerry Hamilton about some of this stuff, um, you know, he's, he's just dead set on like, Hey, beard needs his guys. He needs shooters. He needs guys that are smart basketball players that, that we should follow stuff like uh, the Tony Bennett 
um, which I understand. I I get his what he's talking about, but I guess my biggest thing is we just when teams need to stop us, they can stop us. Like you can say that we're as efficient as you want to, but like when they when when good teams need to stop us, I feel like they can get stops just about any time they want. If you can stay in front of Marcus Carr, which you probably can if you've got a good defender in this league, it's going to be tough for us to score on you. If you can make Timmy Allen beat you from 15 or 18 feet, you know, it's going to be tough, tough for us to score on you. If you make us try to, to utilize Christian Bishop as an athletic, you know, you know, playmaking big at the rim, it's going to be tough for us to score on you. And I just, I don't know. I don't know that we're going to have a whole lot of answers as, as the games get tougher. But I, for, for all the things that it felt like Texas was doing right, it did feel like Tennessee was kind of more shooting themselves in the foot than we were looking really great. And even then, like, I don't know, I said it last week, fuck Chris Beers. <laughs> I'm, I'm already really over, you know, some of this stuff uh, as far as how little we score given the circuit. I think so. it's fair to say that if uh, Tennessee's open look from three at the end of the game goes in, we're all having a very different conversation this week because and we're it, not actually, I don't think so. Cause we're pretty much shitting on this team that beat a ranked team. Well, so let me, let me, let me sort of preface this, right. Or, or let me quantify it. Right. Uh, without that win, Texas is very much a bubble team right now, but they have it by the, again, by the skin of their teeth. So they're not really a bubble team. So, and they've got their best Q and win, They've got their best home win. They, you know, like they've got, like it's, it's, they, they did it barely, but they still did it. And so, in terms of sort of season hopes or, or like, you know, the future, Chris Beard teams most years. So, the, 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 the last two years of tech, this year at Texas, he, he seems to have this pattern of like he's his, his shit non conference schedule doesn't really matter because he gets one big win, right? Like he has one big win this year. It's Tennessee previously. Who did they, he, he beat somebody when they were like number one or the top five. It was like Louisville or somebody. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. And, and, and so it's like, he has that and just sort of rides that into the NCAA tournament. When the rest of the schedule and the rest of the results say bubble team, it's like he's got this one bullet point that prevents him from ever really being in trouble with making it into the NCAA tournament. And so now he's got that with Texas and the rest of the year, assuming they do kind of what I think they're going to do, they're probably going to get in because they'll be like, oh, yeah, I know we're, you know, 99, 10 and 8 in the conference, whatever it is, even 8 and 10. They'd be like, oh, no, look, we also beat Tennessee. And so... You know, so it's like it's in terms of the conversation or in terms of the, the, you know, the season trajectory, he I don't think he's in any danger of missing the NCAA tournament, which would be the sort of legitimately bad outcome. It's just going to be sort of gradients of disappointing at this point of, okay, well, you know, everybody can kind of convince themselves of whatever they want of, okay, well, yeah, okay, they are not a top five team like they were in the preseason but we made it to the NCAA tournament and, you know, maybe we won a game like, Oh, well, you know, it's better than Shaka did because we won a game or whatever. Right. Like it's just going to be a thing. Right. And so, you know, I, I think it's important in, in that respect. And if, if that three at the end goes in, we're not having that conversation. We're having a different conversation. That That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, he is, he is here because of his March performances and I mean, his teams are built for, his style is built for March, uh, as we have seen with you know Virginia as well. Okay, let's not let's not make Virginia comparisons because Virginia has won a title. They they okay just uh, against not. Texas Tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I other than that, like under, he had, under Chris, it took a historic ups- upset for them not to be like possible back to back champs, right? Did you buttholes right. not hear what I said last week? Good grief, we. I thought we had the whole idea. Anyways, listen, I don't care about <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about previous iterations or different years of Beards teams. Like like mm-hmm. uh, first of all, though again, that that two-year run, I don't I'm not going to say it was an aberration, it but it certainly it certainly stands out as an outlier in comparison to some of the other Beards team beard teams that we've seen. So take that for whatever, take that statement and 
you know, if you would like, you know, if you want more divulgence, tough. Uh, this team's not very good. Like, I don't mind saying that. Like, the team right now that we're watching, no matter, I mean, yes, did they just beat Tennessee? Yes. And is that a good win? You know, unquestionably, that's a good one. We're not very good. You know, I don't, and I don't think that you can watch us and say, like, oh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm fine being the person saying, like, well, yeah, the record looks great, but it's just not that impressive because it, it really is not. And like whether, you know, you want quantifiable statistics, which we have, or whether you want like the eye test, which we have, uh, I just don't think we're very good. And we'll see if they, you know, maybe they turn a corner. Maybe they get the right matchup. Maybe they figure some things out against some good teams. Maybe some other teams have COVID shit, maybe whatever it might be. But I like whatever you want to say about this team of, of where Beard can take the, the program, where, t- where Beard can take this particular group of guys, whatever it might be. I just think we're very good. So I'll push back on that. I think Texas is good, but they're not impressive. They're not great. They're good. They're a good team. They're not a great team. We were build a great team. Texas fans want a great team. They're a good team. They're not impressive. They're not going to impress anybody. They're not going to. They're not going to do many dunks. Chris Christian Bishop's one-handed dunk miss against Texas Tech was as close to an impressive play as Texas is going to get this year. They're they're a good team. I, not impressive. We need to we need to stop. We need to stop lobbing the ball to Christian Bishop. <laughs> My lord, please! Like he has his uh, how? I don't. I mean, these guys have practiced together for several months at this point. I feel like they should know, okay, DeSue, we can lob it to. Uh, Allen, probably not. Christian Bishop, just I, I, maybe he's, you know, maybe in, in practice he's just putting on an Anwin mixtape tour, but, like, he's not doing it in games. In games, it's like anytime he is not grabbing it with both hands, it's, it's going to get real sketchy real fast. Yeah, I, let's go ahead and though and kind of look at these games and, and really we'll still look at the offense here because I, I want to key on a few things, uh, specifically the Texas Tech performance and Devin Askew. Uh, Devin Askew kind of showed what he can be and what, you know, what he has been this season so far in the Tennessee game and the Texas Tech game. In the Tennessee game, outside of the one shot, the one three at the end of the first half, Devin Askew was a net negative on that team. And if you look at really basically the plus minuses on this team, like who is the, you know, when they're on the court, the team is performing. Devin Askew is the last player on this Texas team. He's the last place player on this Texas team. Who's the first? It's Brock Cunningham. You kind of see that on the tape. That's why. You know, Johnny is the king of Brock Cunningham Mountain. Uh, but Devin Askew has had this year just really underperformed. And, you know, it, it, it's a lot of it is just he's been hesitant. He, has, you know, he hasn't to shoot, hasn't to drive. But what we saw in the Texas Tech game, the second half of the Texas Tech game, which is we'll get into the first half, the second half of the Texas Tech game where he finally started to drive. He finally started to, you know, put his shoulder down and be less timid, Devin Askew woke up, and he was able to dish the ball. He was able to score points. He was able to get to the line. That was the Devin Askew that can be. So we saw the Devin Askew that has been and the Devin Askew that can be, uh, which I feel like Johnny wrote in his article, like, what can Devin Askew be? We saw it. We saw We got a taste of it. Now, he's probably a three-, four-year player, and I'm interested to see his development, especially after that Texas Tech game. But, you know, it's sort of that Devin Askew push is sort of a microcosm of this offense, right? Where it's just, you know, what it can be versus what it has been, right? When you're aggressive, when you're moving the ball, when you are taking open shots on either the first or second attempt. You know, this offense works and it looks good. But as soon as it bogs down and gets timid, it just dies. So I think with with Devin, part of what is tantalizing about him to me is that I I see his defensive uh, instincts. I see sort of his I mean, 
he was a five-star recruit for a reason. Like he has good athleticism. Uh, he, he's sort of built well. Like I could see the sort of the outlines of a guy who could be a very good defensive player. Um, and he shows that he's, he's willing as defender. Uh, he puts in a lot of effort uh, and, and he can go get steals here and there. Like he's, he seems to be pretty good at patrolling passing lanes and limited duty um, offensively. You know, he, he looks good dribbling the ball. I know it's a weird sort of intangible thing to say, but like when I watch him dribble the ball, it does, it, it seems like he generally does it with a purpose that it doesn't stick with him. Um, some of that may be that he is just so deferential to others that he just keeps whipping it around to the, to other players. But I, I also see uh, a three point shot that looks solid. Um, maybe not spectacular, but decent. Um, like I just see a guy who, if he is, uh, if, if the coaching staff instills him with confidence and, um, puts him in a position to succeed, gives him the freedom to, to do the right, you know, to, to make positive things happen. There's so much going on with that dude behind the scenes in terms of trying to build a dude up after he has been shit on by Kentucky fans for a solid year that like, I mean, I don't know how much of it is the coaching staff not wanting him to shoot. And so, uh, and how much of it is him just sort of, figuring out his confidence again or what, right? Like there's, there's a lot of unknowns there. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to lay any sort of blame there yet. Cause it feels kind of premature, but I, I think that a Devin Askew who is uh, fully weaponized to, to go get his shot, who is uh, assertive in passing up to other players and defends as a willing defender i see that being a very productive college player and possibly more like and this again this is sort of maybe i'm wish casting because this is the only young guy on the team and so i'm just hoping you know like i'm I'm sort of projecting all of my my hopes and desires on this dude but like he feels like a dude who could be a really productive player for texas if if they recognize what he can be and optimize him appropriately. Yeah. And, you know, I want to go back to the offense here because it's been a sore subject, right? Uh, Outside of Courtney Ramey, basically the past week, if Courtney Ramey isn't hitting, then this offense is not working. They're 0-2 right now this week, easily. Yes. Uh, Courtney Ramey was the only thing keeping Texas – in this game. Now, Kevin O'Banner was the only thing keeping Texas Tech from losing their leads. I mean, going five for five from three, uh, I guess Bryce Williams as well. I mean, Texas Tech hitting 50% from three at a certain point, which is, that's, that's, you're not going to beat a team. I mean, Tech was up 19 to seven. And at that point, I'm pretty sure Ramey had six of the points, five or six of the points. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in Tech, I want to say was the lowest shooting three point team in the conference before heading into the game. So yeah, go from they, that they had the Texas tech had the game of their life. It's going to be hard to beat any team like that. Any night in that environment was just, I mean, honestly, it was electric. It was an amazing environment. Texas tech fans should be, you know, praised for that. That was an incredible environment. You know, they had a lot to play for kudos to them, but Texas came out sloppy. They looked timid and they really just couldn't break through after that. After they, they started off slow and really just couldn't break through and Texas tech won't let them. They kept on hitting their threes. They kept on hitting their shots. They got some lucky, they got lucky bounces here and there. And it took until the second half for Texas to really start to get aggressive. And once they did their offense opened up, but as we have seen, and Johnny has pointed out, they just, some reason they just go away from what works. And things slow down again. We saw it in the Texas Tech game. We saw it in the Tennessee game. We've seen it before. Tim, I'll let you expand on that because it, it seems to piss you off to no end. Well, the appropriate connections to Barnes are there. And I guess I want to pinpoint something that Barnes said a few years ago uh, in a press conference that I was at. Um, I was at Michigan State. And it was, um, I guess it was more than a couple years ago. It was, uh, the, it was the year that Sheldon McClellan, Julian Lewis were still there at Texas. And halfway through the second half, it was close, right? It was close. And Michigan State uh, gets a tech and Sheldon goes up 
for the free throws. He's by himself and the Michigan State fans are going ape shit. And Sheldon misses both free throws. And like it kind of goes downhill from there. And it, it went from a really close game to a not particularly close game after that. And um, and uh, Demarcus Holland played pretty well. And and uh, and I asked him in that game, like Demarcus Holland had, you know, played really well, but also passed up three wide open threes, like literally passed up three wide open threes. And this was Demarcus Holland's freshman year. And uh, Rick says, well, you know, sometimes you got to tell these guys they're open by design, uh, which was a way of him saying, like, the defense doesn't think you can shoot. Um, and I remember at that moment just being like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, this is a division one high level guard. Either he is or he's not. Right. So like whether whether you would say DeMarcus Holland was a high level division one guard or not, but that's that's where he was playing. And we had him on the floor against really good teams as a shooting guard, or at least as a guard. And his coach was saying, Hey dude, you know why you're open? Because you can't fucking shoot. Um, and I don't know that I, you know, for all the things that I love about Rick as a coach, I'm not sure that I could choose a single utterance that I find more damning as a coach than that. Like for him to say to one of his guys, Hey man, you can't shoot. I know it. They know it. That's why you're open. So don't do it. Um, and, and I don't, I, you know, I don't know enough about beard to know if that's the case. I do know that we talked about his offense at the beginning of the season. And we talked about the fact that, um, at a worst case scenario with, with coaches that I've been around, whether I, that I played for myself or that I just have, have, you know, had the opportunity to kind of get to know, um, or whatever, have, have other people that I've known that played for, got to know or coach with pretty consistently, the coaches that run motion offense, do it because they want to decide what's a good shot and a bad shot uh, against a lot of the, the non-conference schedule that manifested itself by pump fake after pump fake after pump fake and just guys passing open shots constantly, you know, and whether that, yeah. whether he was saying to guys, Hey, you're open by design or, I mean, you'd have a lower boast than Rick, but, <laughs> or, or whatever it might be. Or, accent is not that, that enjoyable. No. Uh, <laughs> or whatever. I do think, you know, what we're seeing is, is, is that now, now listen, if one of, one of the damning things that I then find about this is we kind of got everyone we wanted. Like, I don't know that I can essentially think of a single portal guy that we went after that we didn't get, you know, there was Williams. Well, we couldn't get, I don't want to phone it. Okay. We talked about this, Johnny, you were aware of why we couldn't get it. Right. So I'm not sure I want to hear that. I know that they, I know Terry wanted him and I know that that, that was, that was someone they wanted. Right. I, anyways, anyway, yes. Why he's not here is not something I'm comfortable getting onto or into on the air. Um, but regardless, um, basically everybody that we wanted, we got. And we sat here at the beginning of the season and I said, what is he going to do? Like how you, you had Christian, I mean, even Christian Bishop ad, averaged like 10 points and seven rebounds last year. Timmy Allen was 17 points. Marcus Carr was 19 points. Andrew was 16 points. Even Devin was like seven points and or six points and four assists or whatever it was like, like everybody on this team, Jace Febris, you know, went from a starting shooting guard to basically playing mop up minutes or nothing. And we talked about it at the beginning of the season, like, what's he going to do? Like, what is this team going to look like? When he is, you know, <laughs> when he's dividing 62 possessions amongst this team. And oh, by the way, we don't have a really, you know, an obvious two, true point guard. So we're going to have some turnover problems. Uh, so how like what's what's the balance going to be for that? And I just if you want to know what the offensive problem is, I just I think with the team that he put together with this, if we're going to play this slow, I do think we have to have shooters that just are kind of knockdown guys. And we don't have knockdown shooters. We have a guy like Timmy Allen who will not take a three-point shot unless he has to. We have a guy like Devin Askew who I think can actually kind of shoot, but seems to either be mind-fucked or like whether that's by fans or whether that's by this staff or whatever it is and not really want to do it. We have a guy, you know, whatever it might. We have a guy like Andrew Jones who who will happily shoot but can just as consistently go one for six as, as three for six. Um and so I just think there's there's all of these pieces that are coming together. Um, and I and I just I just I wish that in the portal we would have 
found someone that was a dead eye shooter or found someone that could, could really unlock a defense with the ball in his hands or found someone that could be a little bit more aggressive at the rim. Cause if we basically got whoever we wanted, why did we target everyone that kind of has the same flaws? <laughs> like what was, what was the, what was the thought process here? Um, so I, 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 there's, there's nothing wrong with our guys in a vacuum. Timmy Allen's a tremendous player. And with a guy like Matt Coleman, I kind of think that Timmy Allen would sort of sort of be unlocked in a pretty awesome way. But, you know, Matt's not here and we don't have that kind of playmaking right now in the same way that, you know, I think Dylan DeSue, obviously, what was he like 13 points and nine rebounds last year in the SEC? And now he's again, he's he's like we have whittled him down to essentially nothing um, or at least not a whole lot. So I is that because of how slow we play? Is that a, uh, uh, because of the offense itself? Is that because of our personnel around these guys? I don't know. I don't know. But I'd, I'd like it noted that you made me sad. <laughs> Sorry. Especially the mentioning that Matt Coleman's not here anymore. Because I know, but every time it's mentioned, it just makes me sad. I, there's just things that when I watch, you know, like a Jay Wright team, like behind you getting absolutely slaughtered by Marquette, but watching a Jay Wright team, you notice a few things like they seal off. They've been men seal off their big men so that your a guard is not driving into three people or Dude, that's a good point. Where did you hear about? That? I don't know. Some, somebody online was, was saying that, but there are the, you, you have the step into shots, the step into passes. So on the outside, you have the guy who is catching the ball, stepping into a shot. So when they catch it, they are either ready to shoot or drive immediately. They're not, they don't have their feet planted to the ground when they catch the ball. So it's a more active, get you into the rhythm type of shot, which we just don't do. So there's certain things on offense that you can do small things, small things that you can do to make your offense better. That for some reason just doesn't fit with this specific offense, which fits with the specific defense that they play. But moving on, parting thoughts. Let's let's end on a happier note. What did y'all think about the second half offense versus Texas Tech and the high points? What were some of the high points of Texas versus Tennessee? Let's end off. Give me some. Give me some good things. Some happy things. Well, well, you know, Beard's offenses are going to be. They are going to be efficient when they're not turning the ball over. Like like it does feel like it's either turn the ball over or you know get a bucket or get to the foul line. So that's good. We got to find ways that we can be more uh, like the good motion offense of that. And, and as few of the bad as we can, um, as far as this, the, you know, the second set or the second set, the second half against, te- uh, against Texas tech, I guess the big thing I thought was like, Hey, we kind of had to pick it up. Like we just weren't, if you know, that was no longer a rock fight, Texas tech came out and shot well. And so we had to play faster. Um so I guess I'm glad we did, because if we had played really slow, that would have probably, you know, maybe it would have been closer, but it also the outcome would have been even less in doubt than it maybe was, I suppose, if that's a way of saying it. Um, so I'm not sure if that's happy <laughs> for you or not, Will, but I guess I would say that I was I was glad that at least we opened it up when we could and we give ourselves a look. I wanted, you know, we got down to what, like six points a couple of times, something like that or whatever. So. I mean, from that standpoint, it was, I mean, there was some decent stuff. I do think that a a guard playing like Courtney Ramey can get us some wins. Like, again, if he's going to play like that and shoot like he has been, I think he makes us, um, I think he makes us pretty unlikely to lose any really crappy games. So that's good too. But not that we have a a lot of crappy games left, (laughs) but you know, what is, is. I just went and looked up Kamaka Hepa's stats, and I'm sad. Again. Don't do it, man. He's shooting like 40%. Don't look up Donovan Williams' stats. Don't I'm look not, up Royce Ham's stats. Yeah, please, no, <laughs> I can't. Um, on the on the positive note, uh, Brock Cunningham is still uh, accruing fouls faster than points this season, which is a pretty uniquely awesome slash Brock stat. Um, I really hope he ends the season with more fouls than points just because I like weird, unique things. Um, and it, you know, on that, on that note, I, I really enjoyed the whole tech atmosphere and game and everything about it because it's, it's been a long time since I have seen some like real sincere hate 
but like not like a I, I didn't I you know I, I know that they did a bunch of <laughs> there was like constant uh admonishments and and requests and begging from Texas Tech staff and the athletic department of like please do not throw shit on the court please do not bring batteries to throw at people but you know like they just they, over and over every they they had a I think it was uh, Norenze Odiase out there with McGuire, uh, the the football coach, and they both said like, "Hey, you know, have a good time, you know, hype your hype your team up, but please don't throw shit." And uh, it's like it just it was it's like every fifteen minutes they're like, "Yeah, we know you're mad, just don't throw shit, please." And so um, anyway, it was the the atmosphere was awesome. I, I really wish I could have gone to that game. Uh, I, I've seen a number of reports from people who were there, whether it was reporters or tech fans or whoever, who are just all talking up as like this sort of singular event that they've, they've been to. And I mean, you could tell from, from just watching it, like it's, that was, that was awesome. That crowd was incredible. They, uh, they really brought it, uh, even if they probably had to fence in the tech students with barbed wire to keep them off the court at the end. Um, you know, I, I feel like if, if you are a long-term sports fan, you need to appreciate the unique moments when they come along because they get rarer and rarer as you get older and older. And just sort of everything surrounding that game was really awesome and really unique. And if you can't appreciate that for what it is, then, you know, I, I, I don't know what to tell you because that, that was cool. Like that whole scene was just cool. Johnny, I meant positive about Texas basketball, but Texas was at one of the coolest events I have seen <laughs> in a long time. How's that? Uh, okay. Brock doing his goonish, whatever, uh, the the day before when all of the the tech students are around uh, you know like at, at the, the the that is a perfect Brock is a hockey goon he is uh, in basketball that's, yes that is per I love that that is he beautiful. is he is I, if you flipped him and Eduardo Nahara I would love Eduardo Nahara because he's the same sort of shit eating grin goon that just antagonizes people and he it's great you know i'm willing to give gene shorts a chance just because brock is such a ridiculous goon let's go ahead and take a look forward here texas has two really big games i mean it's going to be the two really big games coming up for the rest of the year now but iowa state and kansas coming to town iowa state do you think texas can split the series and if so how do they do it tim well they can certainly split the series I think that um, they probably would have beaten Iowa State if, if Kalsher didn't have kind of a out-of-body experience uh, in that first game because I think they did a really good job of Brock on Brockington. I, Iowa State, I think, is a team that's going to struggle to punish us down low. So from that standpoint, some of our relative weakness on the interior is is mitigated a little bit by the fact that they're not a team that's super-duper dynamic. But if Iowa State's hitting from deep, they can certainly put pressure on you and um, – you know, they're, they're not a bad team by any stretch, but they're a lot like us and that I think they're going to keep a lot of games close. Uh, their ability to hammer out an actual really good win will be interesting to see as they go down the stretch here because Brockington's a nice player. I'm not sure that he can impose his will as much as like kind of be a sneaky. He's sort of to me like that classic like, wait, he has 19 points. Uh, kind of player as opposed to like, oh, wow, like he's just kind of dominating a game, which I actually really appreciate and like. And he's the sort of guy that I think would, uh, you know, would would make a good team kind of great. But I otherwise he's just making an OK team pretty good. Um, so they certainly can they definitely can beat Iowa State. Um, and and I would imagine, you know, you can probably you can probably lop off at least 15 points from both teams versus the score that was in Ames. I think it was like 77, 70 or something like that. So or whatever it was. So I wouldn't be surprised if this game is in the 50s, as uh, we seem to be want to do. But um, yeah, for, for sure. And, and I do think the recipe that was there against Texas Tech can still be there against a team like Iowa State where, you know, if we can have Courtney and Andrew be uh, primary ball movers and see what happens with Marcus and Timmy from there, um, then, I, then I feel pretty good about it. But um, yeah, it's, it's certainly not a gimme. 
Iowa State looked good against Kansas. What I saw on on Monday night, uh, they just didn't quite have enough firepower to get it done, and um, we'll see what happens. But but I'm I I would I would feel like Texas has a good shot in the game. Yeah, I you know when I was looking at this this the rest of the season, this stretch here, this four game stretch, I had Texas going one and three, uh, you know, and the one win was the home game to Iowa state. Um, I, I think Iowa state is a good team. I think they're still very good defensively. I think they will force turnovers. Um, but it, it is like Tim said, it's, it's going to be as much about if they get hot from three, if they can at least hold their own re- rebounding wise, then, then they'll start to give Texas problems. Um, but it's not a team uh, other than the turnovers and their streakiness from three. It's not a team that is that particularly scares me a ton. Um, I do think it'll probably end up being a close game. I think Texas is the favorite here, uh, but yeah, it's, I, I don't think Texas could just put this on cruise control. Cause I think Iowa state is good enough defensively that they're going to make Texas work for, for any points they want. And so with it being two teams that play at a, you know, relatively slow tempo, although, it, you know, very few teams are as slow a tempo as Texas. Um, there, when you play that slow tempo, you limit the possessions, you're limiting the variance, but that also means that um, you can't, it's hard to blow a team out unless somebody's having an out-of-body experience. So I, I think it's, I think Texas should be the favorite here. I, I think they should win, right, Will? God damn it. Well, there it is. Uh, if Texas shoots 40% from three, they'll win. If Texas has less turnovers, they'll win. Uh, there's my expert analysis. Let's go look at Kansas then, because Kansas is the team Texas has not played this year. It is, are they the most difficult team, the best team they played this year? Uh, no, Gonzaga would probably be it. I can always forget yeah. we had that one team. But are they the best team in the Big 12? Uh, if everyone is healthy and if Texas, if Texas tech keeps on hitting 40% from three, no, but no, I, I, so I, here's the thing Baylor is dealing with a lot of sort of nagging and ongoing injury issues. They, you know, that crier is out here and there, Akinjo is out here and there. They've got some stuff going on there that they just, they, they haven't been a hundred percent. And so is there a more confusing team in college basketball than Alabama? Uh, probably not. Um, but as far as, as Kansas is concerned, um, I, I think, I think probably a, a decent illustration of the difference in, in level of Kansas and Texas is that, uh, you know, Remy Martin and Marcus Carr were both in preseason, you know, by writers and whatnot considered sort of the two biggest transfers coming into the big 12 and one of them got preseason player of the year. The other got preseason newcomer of the year. Um, and they're both having sort of similarly disappointing seasons in their own way. Uh, you know, Remy Martin's issues are more injury related than, 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 you know, the design of the offense or whatever. But the point is Kansas is still winning big games with Remy Martin being 70% or out entirely. Um, there is nobody on Texas like Ocha Abaji. Um, David McCormick it, it has the ability to wall off anybody Texas has, right? And um, he ha- there. And if he doesn't, KJ Adams and his 45-inch fucking thighs are going to roll in and, you know, play linebacker in the middle for a while. Um, Christian Brown is better than any of the wings Texas has. Like, it's just sort of, if you flipped Marcus Carr and Remy Martin and they both still had their similar struggles, Kansas would still be probably seven and one in conference and Texas would still probably be five and four give or take because the relative strength of the teams around them is, is that much different. So um, Kansas is, I mean, they're, they're a pretty clearly better team. They're, they're much more offensively cohesive. And again, there's nobody in Texas hitting buckets like a Baji is. My, my thing with Kansas is they're just really well-rounded. 
Like there's not a whole lot of parts of their games that you would say like, oh, well, we can obviously attack them there or we can assume that they're not going to be able to hurt us in this spot. Like they can get to the rim, they can offensive rebound, they can shoot from deep, they can, you know, they've got a, a well, not dominant, but they've got a, a, a dynamic big man. Um, you know, they've got a deep bench. It just feels like they, they're kind of solid everywhere. Do they have, I mean, when if, if Agbaji is playing super well, then he's a, he's a guy that could be an all American kind of guy. That's maybe it. Um, I guess Wilson might, you know, depending on the night, I guess, but for the most part, I, I think they're lacking that, that true stud that sometimes self has had. But um, other than that, I, I just, I don't know how, what their weaknesses are. So that just means if you're, you know, if you're going to beat a team like Kansas, then you're going to have to play a really all around game. We're going to have to limit turnovers. We're going to have to be passable from three. We're going to have to, you know, when we go big in our lineups, those big lineups are going to have to control the glass because if, if they're, if we go big and don't control the glass, the amount of offensive firepower that we lose from that can be, can be tough for us to overcome. So against a team like Kansas, they can get up and move and, and, and make you pay. If you, if you do give them live ball turnovers or you do struggle, you know, shooting in the half court, then, and that'll be, that that's a tough hill to climb. But um, again, I just, I think that the big thing for me is Kansas just doesn't have a lot of weak links, even if I wouldn't say they have any like true superstar studs other than Agbaji. So. Yeah. I mean, if, if McCormick, even on his bad games is still better than, two or three of the Texas bigs. Um, I, I think that what's, what may be frustrating about watching Texas play Kansas this year is that Kansas pushes a tempo and, and, and uh, runs enough that it's possible for spurts. We will watch Texas get out and run because they will do it in response to Kansas running. And we'll get to see these guys make plays in the open court and be like, what the fuck? Why can't they always do that? And then Beard will just crank it back down to the 63 possession game that, that we're going to see. And I'm just going to go back to staring at the sky and pondering my life decisions. Chris Beard's teens make sense in a big 10, the super highly efficient three yards in a cloud of dust. All right, look, we just got jazz fingers again from Tim. Tim so Chris Tim. Beard's teams make sense when he has dynamite two way players. So you, he's, he's going to, when, when, when he either lucks onto them or develops onto them or, or portals onto them or whatever, when he brings in guys that are dynamite two way players, those are the teams from him that I'm most excited about is just when we can find ourselves with a roster where we have, three you know two or three guys they're going to play a lot i mean honestly like if we if we had devin ask you right courtney ramey right if if this team had had you know of differing sizes and, and skill you know, or, or positions if this team had a couple more courtney ramey's i think we'd be really good because courtney ramey is a terrific defender and courtney ramey when he's you know when he's playing smart can be a very, very good offensive player. He's the kind of guy who I do think it's not surprising that Chris Beard is rocking him 39 minutes a game, right? You know, that's just, that's, that's the kind of guy that he loves. Well, he's only got one Courtney Ramey. There's no one else. Now, do I think Devin Askew could be that guy? Sure. You know, is this the coaching staff to get that kind of stuff out of him? Is this the right kind of uh, offensive system to get that out of him? I'm not as certain about that, but I certainly do believe in him. I didn't talk much during the Devin Askew stuff, but I, 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 I am. Yeah. I think he's a guy that's got a ton of potential. I would love to see him kind of get unlocked. Um, but I, I don't want to sit here and say that there's, that there's no merit to what beard does. Um, but if you want to know when he's going to be really good, it's going to be, Hey, do you got, do you have, do your best offensive players also have the ability to be lockdown defenders? If the answer to that is no, then maybe you're not going to see an awesome Chris Beard team. If the answer to that is yes, hey man, look out! Like let's let's see what we can do, um, because because those were the guys and those were the teams where he wasn't just good, he was awesome. But that's pretty rare. Like guys that can be that dynamic on both ends of the floor, like that dynamic on both ends of the floor, not fine defensively and good offensively, not fine offensively and good defensively, like no, legitimately good on both ends of the floor. When he finds those guys, awesome. These ain't those guys. <laughs> so that so, takes recruiting. Right. Recruiting or, you know, high level. If you're going to portal, you got to portal the right guys. I'm not saying the guys aren't out there, but like if you're going to portal these guys, then you got to find that. And, for all the things that Marcus Carr was when he's coming into the year, a, a, you know, a, a tremendous defender who was going to lock down was not one of them. 
you know, and, and you didn't have to look at Christian Bishop and say like, Hey, he's a, he's a fine help defender. And we'll, you know, we'll play hard in the post, but he's not going to give you the kind of defensive stalwart, you know, that you're looking for in the interior that you'd like. And it's not that those guys don't have a place on this team. They certainly do. But again, they, they're redundant. Like we, you know, because Trey Mitchell also can't defend the post like we'd like for him to. And Timmy Allen also can't defend the post like we'd like for him to. And Timmy Allen also isn't going to shoot from three and Devin Eskew also isn't going to shoot from three. And, you know, like from that standpoint, we just, we have, we have a lot of guys that, that check some boxes, but not the boxes that we need them to. But, 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 but jazz hands here, right? Jazz fingers, jazz hands. Look, I, I get what Beard wants to do. I get it. And it's totally reasonable. It's a completely reasonable um, and pragmatic way of, of approaching it. But you got to have the right guys. And when you don't, I think you see teams that, that just are going to really have some, have some issues like what we are at least seeing occasionally with this team. Johnny? Uh, co-sign? Cool. I think on that note, we're going to end up there. Thank you all for pretending we were football for the past hour. Uh, big shout out to Brittany M and Colsey as always for supporting the show. Our patrons at uh, the Hornscast patron Patreon. Uh, so please go ahead and you know if you feel like throwing us some money, that'd be great. But uh, thank y'all for listening. I've been your host, Will Bazer. You guys can find me on Twitter at w i l b a i z e r. More important, guys, Johnny Brashear. We're gonna find you uh, on uh, on Twitter. Uh, apparently, some people call me Ruby, which uh, I don't good for them. Um, yeah. What uh, is your Twitter name? It's <laughs> so, okay. So I got on a Twitter space and some guy who is, I, I, well, he's now following me. He was hosting some Twitter space with Kellner. And I guess when you're the host, all you see are like the, the, the names that not the usernames, but the, whatever you put in your title. And so he saw Ralvi legend and he was like, Ruby, what's up? And I, and so I, I was sitting there and I was like, who's Ruby. And then, <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm like, Oh, that's me. Hang on. Okay. Hang on. Wait, why, why is my Bluetooth not working? Okay. Um, yeah. So you can find me Ruby on uh, Twitter at bitter white guy, uh, Substack. It's a bitter white guy.substack.com. Uh, you can also find me on Reddit being downvoted for giving my opinions on things that that happens sometimes. It's often deserved, not always, but it's often deserved. Um, and yeah, I I also have a Patreon, uh, but please give to Will. He's poor as hell, so just give him some horns cast loved. He he needs it. He's I spend all my money, all my food money on this podcast. He's practically homeless at this point. Like it's just it's rough. Like it's it's almost sad. He's actually underneath Mopac right now recording this. So please give him some money, Tim. Um, I don't care who you pay. Uh, so yeah, I, on like, unless, Twitter, <laughs> unless it's inside Texas, am I right, Tim? <laughs> That's the yeah. So on Twitter, inside Texas hoop, no s, and um, uh, uh inside Texas.com. We have an awesome community. Come hang out with us. We'd love to have you. Thank y'all for listening. We will see y'all next week. Hook them, hook them horns. <laughs>